We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now here's your host, Mary Woods. Welcome to One Hour at a Time. This is Mary Woods and I'm your host today. Our topic for today is a very, um, I think, a very important topic for all of us, but especially for folks who experience um, mental illness and substance use disorders. Today we're going to be talking um, about smoking cessation and uh, smoking in general. And we have as our guest today um, Dr. Norman Edelman, who is the Chief Medical Officer of the American Lung Association, and Dr. Michael Yeager, who is the Managing Medical Director for WellPoint in Wisconsin. So let me just introduce you a little bit to our guests. Dr. Edelman um, is, as we all know, the American Lung Association is a leading medical authority on lung disease, and Dr. Edelman has served as Chief Medical Officer for 25 years. Um, he also provides patient care as a teaching clinic supervisor and is pro- professor of preventative medicine, internal medicine, physiology, and biophysics at the State University of New York at Stony Brook. Dr. Edelman is board certified in internal medicine and pulmonary and critical care medicine, and he's published extensively in the field of pulmonary diseases and control of breathing. Dr. Yeager, Dr. Michael Yeager, serves as a managing medical director for WellPoint's affiliated healthcare plan in Wisconsin. He is responsible for the administration of medical services for products and provider networks in Wisconsin. And Dr. Yeager has more than 25 years of combined experience as practicing physician, residency educator, and health plan medical manager. Dr. Yeager is a licensed and board certified specialist in family medicine. Welcome to both of you, um, and thank you for spending this hour with us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. So, I, you know, there's so much to uh, talk about in terms of smoking sensation and the program that you, uh, WellPoint and the American Lung Association has put together, but maybe we could just begin by explaining to our listeners, um, you know, something very basic as um, why is it so difficult to quit smoking because so many people try so often? Well, uh, I'll take a stab at that. Um, It's hard to get people to quit because uh, when people are hooked on cigarettes, they've really got two hooks in them. They've got the uh, chemical hook of addiction to nicotine, 
And nicotine is a very, very powerful addicting substance. It's as powerful an addicting substance as, as any narcotics that have been studied. And in addition, they have this very strong habit. They are habituated. Smoking is part of their ritual. This is especially true in, in people with uh, mental disorders. You know, getting up in the morning and smoking a cigarette, having a cigarette with a cup of coffee. Uh, so, so you have to kick both. You have to kick the nicotine dependence, and you have to kick what is sometimes a very, very strong habit. And, and that's why it takes lots of attempts and that's what the quitter in you is all about. Oh, what we're trying to get people to understand is uh, the way people uh, who are successful in quitting are successful is by trying and trying again uh, until they find exactly the right approach and exactly the right combination for them. Yeah, the only thing I would add to that is that we know from uh, studies that you know probably two-thirds of people or more actually want to quit, I think, which is a testament to the uh, addiction that uh, nicotine, and it's, it's a potent uh, agent, uh, and as Dr. Edelman said, stronger than narcotics. And so it, it just uh, is very, very difficult uh, without trying more than one time. It, it seems to me like in the general population, there's more peer pressure not to smoke than there was like 40 years ago. Yes, that's true, and and that's been uh, dramatically successful in, in cutting down smoking rates. So, for example, in New York City, where I live, uh, smoking is prohibited in essentially all public places, and it is generally not an acceptable thing to do to sneak a cigarette in a public place. And and I think uh, you know the data show that that's been very helpful. People who go through the entire day in their workplace uh, not smoking are, are, are somewhat more likely to quit uh, once and for all for good. So peer pressure is turning the other way. Of course, peer pressure cuts both ways. And, and unfortunately, in certain populations, adolescent girls, for example, uh, the peer pressure to smoke is still present. That seems to be related also to um, weight loss or not gaining weight, that nicotine can act as an ap appetite repressant. Um, yeah. I mean, people who quit gain some weight. It's usually not much. It's, you know, five, seven, eight pounds. Uh, it has, uh, you know, the, the health benefits of quitting far exceed uh, what minor negative effect there might be from gaining a little bit of weight. But there is that concern, and, you know, again, among certain subpopulations, such as teenage girls, uh, even those few pounds may be important, and, and we have to figure out ways to get around that because these people are really shortening their lives. And I think, like, no, I, in, in, I'm ahead, sorry, in other, in other forms of uh, substance abuse, to uh, the the quitting, you know, part of it's the people you hang with, you know, those those social behaviors that people have. But uh, like other substance abuse, uh, we know that uh, using counseling and or some form of counseling, uh, and and then also knowing, uh, I know it's in your field, 
Mary, the readiness to change and motivational interviewing, which which we don't use very well as clinicians. Uh, and then it's the uh, the combination with some medication, and so I think it's it's both of those have to be be used in combination to really get the success rates up. Not saying people can't quit in cold turkey, but the numbers don't support that working very well, which is why, again, the Quitter In You program, I, I remember in practice, you know, people would come in and they would quit for a couple of weeks and then we'd go back, go back. And I think after a while, some of us treated people as if they were weak. And so I think the, the importance for, for the folks to know out there is, is that uh, a program like Quitter In You gets people to realize that they have another chance, that, that like everybody else, they need to look at all the tools that are out there for them to uh, stop smoking. You know, one of the tragedies that I've seen over the years, I've been working in the addictions profession for over 30 years, is that I see people with long-term recovery from alcohol or other drugs, but who in their like 50s and 60s developed vascular disease or lung disease, which is clearly related to the smoking they did of, you know, cigarettes, pot, and whatever else. But it just seems like there's such a high rate of lung disease and vascular disease in people with uh, in longer-term recovery. Has anybody ever studied that? Well, we know that, that for people who've smoked a significant amount in their lives, even if they've quit, uh, the risk of getting smoking-related disease is, is quite high. In fact, uh, the general data show that for people who smoke a significant portion of their adult life, half of them will die of a smoking-related disease. That's enormous. So that's uh, heart disease, vascular disease, lung cancer, COPD. And, you know, the, the risk is related to how much you've smoked. It's better if you've quit, but you can't erase the risk just by quitting. Yeah, and I think, uh, and Dr. Edelman probably knows the number better than I do, but if you look at the compounds, nicotine's the addicting compound, but if you look at the number of compounds in, in tobacco smoke, uh, it is carcinogenic agents are are tremendously, and it's not just one, there's, there's a whole number of those carcinogenic agents uh, and toxic agents in tobacco smoke. It's enormous. One of the numbers we use is 4,000, uh, but you know, it doesn't matter if it's 4,000 or 40 or 400. There are many, many toxic compounds uh, in cigarette smoke. I mean, so much so that we don't know precisely which one causes lung cancer, but we certainly do know that it does cause lung cancer. What about secondhand smoke? Well, that's a good story. That's an interesting story. Um, we have finally shown with, with very sophisticated epidemiologic studies that secondhand smoke is dangerous. Secondhand smoke clearly causes lung cancer, not as much as primary smoking, but clearly causes lung cancer. Secondhand smoke clearly causes some chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. And secondhand smoke is, is especially deleterious for babies and young children. It causes all kinds of respiratory infections, ear infections. And, and it's been, in a strange sense, very useful because it's the fact that secondhand smoke causes diseases 
that has enabled many communities uh, to ban smoking in public places. So the benefits are now twofold. Uh, people are exposed to less secondhand smoke from other people smoking, and smokers who can't smoke all day are, are somewhat more likely to quit. Yeah, I don't think there was anything that was more uh, instrumental in getting in Wisconsin, my state, to uh, push through the legislation to ban working or smoking in workplaces where people are exposed, particularly in the taverns. It was really uh, that that fact, in, in sort of an ironic way, that that was able to get that through. And, and I remember when I was in practice, I'd see these kids with their third or fourth cold of this winter. They had otitis. They're sniffling. They had a little bit of bronchitis, and it was not uncommon that they'd come in and they'd smell of cigarette smoke. And so I think, uh, you know, in, in even trying to use that to help their parents from not smoking around the kid, I can't say I was very successful or know that, but I think that's another important piece of how we could potentially uh, get people to understand with educating them around the, the risk of secondhand smoke. It seems to me like smoking is becoming more glamorous again in the, um, like in movies. I go to the movies a lot and I see a lot more people smoking in movies than they did maybe five or ten years ago. Um, do you, are you guys concerned about that or is there such powerful messages? The American Lung Association is concerned about anything that promotes smoking and anything that uh, impedes uh, smoking uh, prevention in, in children. Because, you know, 90% of people who smoke as adults start when they're children, when they're teenagers or even before. And, and these people are very impressionable. Uh, role models are very important to them. So, so the answer is yes. The answer is we're very concerned uh, about anything that makes smoking appear positive. Because, in fact, you know, it's just a, a deadly, deadly habit. Yeah, and I think that's why WellPoint and the American Lung Association really uh, wanted to partner on something uh, to help support, you know, smokers quit smoking. But I think the more messages we get out there, and that's part of this campaign, will be focused on our 14 markets uh, with the local lung associations. Uh, and I'm the chair of the Wisconsin Leadership Board for the American Lung Association, so I have a direct connection to the American Lung Association. So we're really uh, we're excited about this because I think it'll get those messages out there. And we'll be right back after this commercial to learn more about the Quitter in You. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. 
There are many who have faced life-changing adversity and have demonstrated the resiliency of the human spirit in spite of that. You'll hear these moving stories and learn about the impact of life's challenges when you tune into Inspired Journeys, Overcoming Adversity and Thriving with your host, Lisa Ference. You'll find meaning in some of the most difficult traumatic experiences. And by doing so, you can pay it forward and help others through their healing processes. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back to One Hour at a Time. This is Mary Woods, and today our guests are Dr. Norman Edelman, who is the Chief Medical Officer of the American Lung Association, and Dr. Michael Yeager, who is the Managing Director of WellPoint in Wisconsin. And our episode is called The Quitter in You, which is also a program that WellPoint has developed with the American Lung Association. And Dr. Yeager, could you explain to our audience a little bit about who WellPoint is and then why um, you decided to join with the American Lung Association for this Certainly. Uh, well, WellPoint is a uh, large company that has uh, Blue Cross, Blue Shield uh, programs or insurance companies in 14 states. Uh, we have, I think, about 43 million lives uh, that we take care of in this country in one way, shape, or form. Uh, so it's, it's a large number of Blue Cross, Blue Shield Companies and our our mission has been dedicated to uh, improving the lives of the people we serve and the health of our communities. In fact, we have a uh, we measure in each of the 14 states we're in the health of those communities, not just our members, but the health of the entire state. And one of the things we realized early on that we needed to work on was smoking cessation, and that got me involved with uh, the American Lung Association early on when I was here. And as I said, I'm now chair of the, of the, the board in Wisconsin uh, for the American Lung Association. And the Quitter in You campaign is it, what we're trying to do is empower people to try to quit smoking by acknowledging past quit attempts are not failures, but are normal and necessary. And again, it goes back to this, this behavioral, psychological, and physiological addiction to the drug, and you know, and I think some of the American Lung Association found in their research that six out of ten smokers uh, were able were not able to successfully quit uh, and on their first try, and it required multiple attempts. So that's that's a lot of people, and so again, this is the campaign to try to change 
the way people think about past quit attempts and motivate them to try again because uh, it's it's is that we've been talking about earlier in the earlier in the show how hard that is, and so the the Quitter in You campaign it features websites uh, and that'd be just quitterinu.org and radio shows and advertising and out-of-home public service announcements. And there'll be a number of personalized tools, support from the American Lung Association, which has a great program called Freedom from Smoking, and there's a lung helpline. So there's going to be you know, a number of tools available to, to help people realize, again, that trying to quit smoking uh, is going to take more than more than one one attempt. And I'll just give you an example. We have uh, a non-smoking campus we've been for some years, and there's a number of people outside my office who continued to walk out to the road and where I can see them and smoke. And once the Quitter and You cards came out after we uh, at a board meeting, I handed several of them out and talked to folks about it. And I was successful in getting one person so far, at least in her fourth or fifth attempt, to stay uh, smoke-free. So, you know, I think that's the whole message here is how do we empower people empower people to, to keep trying? And so as WellPoint as an organization, you also have a, um, a smoking cessation policy or support for employees? Yeah, we have. You know, as I said earlier, it sort of goes along with the Quitter In You campaign. Our philosophy is whatever works. Uh, so we have a commitment here, you know, to... To, to get a health assistant, we have a smoking cessation at anthem.com where members can, you know, set their goals, create weekly plans, track it. We provide, uh, you know, healthy lifestyles, which is tobacco-free. Uh, work night, worksite wellness seminar, we had a, a virtual seminar where people learned about the tools we have. We give them discounts on uh, a program for smokers. It's just a whole series of things. Uh, Live Tobacco Free uh, is a program for EAP, so that's that's kind of our philosophy. Whatever whatever uh, whatever works, uh, and the Quitter in You is is really basically going to be another tool I'll be able to use. I've already used it on uh, on our employees at Anthem and WellPoint. Dr. Edelman, what is the financial impact of smoking to um, our productivity and? Well, it's enormous. Um, if you ju- just think of, of the cost to an individual, you know, uh, again, where I live, uh, cigarettes are uh, $10 a pack. So if you smoke uh, a pack a day, that's uh, $3,650, maybe a little less in other states. Uh, studies have been done uh, to try and determine what the cost to the employer is of having an employee who smokes. And as you might guess, it bounces around a little bit, but the estimates always come pretty close to $3,000 a year. That's enormous. It's it's uh, increased costs of, of health care and health insurance because smokers are sicker and need more care. It's loss of productivity. Smokers get more colds. They get more respiratory infections. They're out more. So uh, there is a huge economic motivation for both uh, individuals who smoke and their employers uh, to to try and make smoking cessation successful. That's why the American Lung Association is so pleased to work with WellPoint on the Quitter in You program 
because you know what's really nice about that program it it recognizes that you can't say one size fits all there will be different approaches for different people they'll have different needs different kinds of dependencies and you're not going to get it right the first time for the most part so you you just have to try and try again if you look at the smoking cessation literature uh, the best approaches, and this usually means a combination of a support system, which we call a behavioral approach, and a pharmaceutical to combat the nicotine addiction. If you apply these together in a good circumstance, you're going to get people to quit 25-30% of the time. That means, on the average, somebody's going to have to, if they've gotten this best approach, somebody's going to have to try three, four, five times. In fact, uh, the data show that people in general try between five and ten times before they quit. But the message we want, the message we want to get out is it's worth it. It's worth it. The rewards in, in longer life and improved health are, are absolutely enormous. And, and I, I think that's the essence of the Quitter and You program. It's worth the effort, and we're going to do our best to provide support systems to help you make those efforts. Could one of you explain to our listeners about the medications that are available for smoking cessation? Well, the, uh, there, there are several kinds. Um, there are the nicotine replacement therapies, and uh, there are various vehicles from gum to patches to inhalers. Uh, that people can use uh, to substitute for the nicotine in cigarettes to help them get over get over that nicotine dependence, and they're widely used and they have a reasonable success rate. Uh, there are some oral medications. There are two different kinds. Uh, one is is uh, was developed as an antidepressant and it turns out to be useful in smoking cessation, and another actually blocks the effect of nicotine uh, in certain parts of the brain. So, so there are really three different approaches uh, to using pharmaceuticals in in smoking cessation and. Um, Physicians who uh, are experienced in smoking cessation uh, will try one. If that doesn't work, they'll try another. And in some circumstances, and this should only be done in the hands of an experienced physician, uh, they'll try more than one at the same time. So somebody may be taking, um, let's say, Wellbutrin and, and using the gum as well. This should be done only in the hands of, uh, of a physician, only when supervised by a physician whose experience in, in dealing with hardcore uh, smoking addiction. And, and there are more and more of those uh, available. More and more physicians that specialize in who have Who have that expertise, yes. And how would someone go about finding someone that has Well, um, yeah, that's... that's um, always a difficult problem. Um, it's usually large medical centers have referral systems that uh, you can sort through those. Yeah, and I think, you know, you could uh, ask your family doctor or general internist, you know, how much experience he has with these. You know, I know some of us took a, an interest in this, as I did, and you learned a lot. We have uh, some people in uh, 
Seatree, which is in uh, Madison, who have done a tremendous job in putting together programs for uh, family physicians or general internists to help people quit smoking. So I think just ask your physician, too, how experienced he is. And he, he could either uh, give you advice. I think the other piece of this, though, is as we've both said, is that the, the importance of doing two things together, getting that, you know, the counseling, and this is supported by all the literature, the counseling and the uh, medication do work well together. Do you foresee any type of certification for physicians like we have for uh, Suboxone or the American Society of Addiction Medicine has different certifications for addiction um, that doctors can go and get? Do you see anything like that happening for physicians around tobacco cessation? Well, you know, quite frankly, I hope not. (laughs) I I hope family physicians and general internists and and even pediatricians understand the importance of gaining expertise and, and helping people get over this habit. So I hope it's not simply a matter for a handful of specialists, but I think it's such an important health problem and there's so many uh, important health advantages to smoking cessation. I, I'm, I'm hoping a broad array of primary care physicians uh, get this experience and are able to do this. Yeah, I agree with that too. Uh, because Dr. Edelman, in his uh, specialty, sees the end stage of this, and uh, you know, I I would guess uh, you've seen the 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 horror that is the end stage of smoking-related diseases. Whereas I was when I was practicing family medicine on beginning stages of it, and was and, and you know, and I would see the effects of it in children or the early stage chronic obstructive. Uh, pulmonary disease or the early stage of bronchitis or heart disease, but when these folks get to the, uh, get to see Dr. Edelman in the, in the ICU, then, then we know uh, that it, ha- it was time to quit about 40 years ago. Well, uh, on that note, we'll true. take a break and we'll come back and talk a little more about the Quittering New Program and smoking cessation in general. And we'll be right back after this commercial. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Why do people behave the way they do? The study of human behavior is one of the most interesting facets of life. Human behavior gets played out in a limitless number of ways. Now, there's a radio program that explains the why and the how of what we do. Human Behavior, What a Trip, is hosted by Dr. Jonathan Brower and will include interesting guests as well as call interaction from people like you. Let's have fun with this together. 
Listen every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back. Our show today is called The Quitter in You, which we're highlighting a program that was developed by WellPoint in Wisconsin and the American Lung Association. And our guests today are Dr. Michael Yeager, who is the Managing Director of WellPoint, and Dr. Norman Edelman, who is the Chief Medical Officer for the American Lung Association. Um, I think, you know, one of the things that's that I would like to talk about in this next segment is something that we've experienced at Westbridge. And Two, a year ago, um, we opened up a facility in Florida and we decided to make that a tobacco-free campus because looking at folks who have mental illness and addiction, we wanted to focus on wellness and you really can't focus on wellness if your people are smoking all over the place. So, uh, we had, we had some success with some of our participants quitting and they agreed to do a video for us for our new, um, for the new facility. And when we rolled this out to our, on our family weekend, families were just, I was not prepared for the negative reaction. You can't do this if this was a tobacco free environment. My, my family member would never have come. People can't quit. Um, smoking and quit addiction and treat their mental illness at the same time. This is wrong. And it was like overwhelming the backlash we got from that. And what we learned from that is we didn't prepare our audience well enough before we decided to make this change. But I'm just wondering, you know, there's so many challenges in, in putting out in a tobacco free, um, clinical program for mental health and addiction. And what has been your experience with, with this? Well, it's a big, big topic. It's an important issue, and as you're pointing out, it's a somewhat contentious issue, not only among patients and their families, but even among physicians. Uh, I think the way to look at this is to look at both the forest, uh, look at the forest before you look at the trees. And the forest is, is very, very frightening. If you look at people with serious mental illness, their life expectancy is many years, decades in some cases, uh, less than the general population. And you look at what they die from, they die of cardiovascular disease, they die of lung disease, they die of lung cancer. And you look at smoking rates among serious mental illness. Uh, Some of the serious mental illnesses, the smoking rates are twice the rate of the general population. So this uh, crutch, if you will, 
is in the long run, if you look at the big picture, lethal to people with these problems. Now, in the short run, you know, cigarettes are favored by lots of people and even some people who provide care. There's a little bit of evidence, not a whole lot, that the nicotine may be useful, but there's also a lot of evidence that it really isn't and that whatever minor positive effect it has can be mimicked just by adjusting uh, psychotherapeutic drugs. But for many years, people uh, with serious mental illness who've been institutionalized, uh, cigarettes have been used as a management tool. You know, they've been given out as rewards for good behavior. They've been withheld as punishment for bad behavior. So it's become part of the culture. And and even, you know, even some psychiatrists felt that, well, you really couldn't uh, withhold cigarettes from schizophrenics. It's interesting, though, most hospitals who with psychiatric wards have gone smoke-free, and they've gone smoke-free without incident, and they've gone smoke-free without any detectable change in, in the well-being of their patients. So uh, although culturally it may be hard, uh, in my opinion, the evidence is very strong uh, that we can and should do our best uh, to uh, uh, have smoking cessation programs, successful ones, among people with uh, addictions to various other substances, as well as serious mental illness. Yeah, I would echo that. I, I think in some studies, uh, I remember one time back in JAMA, that said approximately 50% of individuals diagnosed with severe, severe mental disease uh, were affected by substance abuse, and 53% uh, were smoking. So I, I think it is a huge problem. I think it probably, uh, some cases, a person diagnosed with mental illness uh, uses the, the nicotine to self-medicate, you know, just like they do with their, uh, their Oxycontin or whatever. And it's probably tough sometimes to know which came first, the mental illness or the substance abuse. So it, it is a sticky wicket, uh, but I would certainly uh, support uh, doing a smoke-free environment because it is part of managing that uh, self-medication. Yeah, it's it's been a... In Florida, we just go from a whole wellness concept, and what we ask people to do is try it. We're not asking them to stop smoking for the rest of their life just for the time they're on campus. And, um, you know, staff can't come to work smelling of cigarettes. And if somebody, you know, sneaks a cigarette in a meeting, they come back, they shower. Um, so we try to make it more of a consciousness raising around health and, and wellness and to let people know that this isn't going to be forever. And we offer opiate, you know, uh, nicotine replacement, and we have gum readily available. But um, in New Hampshire, we do dosing in our residential program and um, is a way to help people gain insight and cut down. We haven't quite gotten to the point where we're going to be totally smoke-free in New Hampshire, but we're, we're working toward it. Well, I think you're going in the right direction. I think you're contributing to the overall health of your clients in an important way. Yeah, yeah. it's just um, for whatever reason, you know, everybody 
you know, if somebody says, I want to go out and have a drink, we all know how to respond because we've all worked in the addiction field. But having worked in the addiction field, nobody ever talked about, well, what are you saying when somebody's going to go out and smoke? You know, we don't have that language. We don't have that um, history of treating people as smokers who have an addiction. So it's a learning process for all of us. Right, and I and I think with all the compounds, uh, who knows? You know, we have the nicotine, which we know is a potent addictive compound. Who knows what some of those other compound effect could have on uh, cognition and memory? And uh, you know, I I just don't think we even know. But it's but it's legal and it's readily right. available, and you know, it's social for a lot of people. You know, having a cigarette is. They, that's how people talk is over a cigarette or, you know, one of the things we try to do is, is have people do a smoking diary so they understand, you know, when you first wake up, how soon do you have a cigarette? What, you know, do you have a cigarette every time you drink coffee? I, I know one person who used to get, have a cigarette before he got into a car and after he got out of a car and it didn't matter whether you went 100 miles or two blocks, he, that was such a habit just helping people understand the ha- the habitual nature of their smoking. Um, the habit is very, very strong. It, it, it is, in, in many cases, as strong as the chemical addiction. And uh, that's why we need uh, elaborate approaches and, and multifactorial approaches to get people uh, to finally quit smoking. Yeah, and I think the recidivism in you know that you see, or, and I see in substance abuse, particularly from my chair where I'm looking over the you know, watching people go in and out of uh, substance abuse centers. Uh, I suspect that it's the same tools, the quitter in you. You know, maybe, you know, I think we blame uh, sometimes the recidivist substance abuser as being, again, weak and unable to do it. And maybe the same approach, the quitter in you from uh, other substances may also be a good message that we start to send. So in this program, Dr. Yeager, is it all done online, or um, do you have uh, anybody that you're interfacing with online, or how does it work? There are, uh, there's going to be public service and announcements, the tools, the personalized tools, and so once you go into the American Lung Association's Freedom from Smoking Lung Helpline, for example, you can use... uh, there's a whole series of tools on the Freedom from Smoking site, including, uh, like a lot of social websites have, people can tell their stories, uh, how it took them, you know, time to, there'll be uh, people that they can talk to, there'll be, there's, there's uh, programs in there that you can uh, set up your goals and, and move through the program. So I think, I think it's, it's pretty much a, uh, a comprehensive program with various uh, tools to help the person where they're at and they're uh, they're wanting to quit. Yeah, it's a fundamentally different approach. I mean, for, for many years we've tried to get people uh, 
to quit by shaming them, saying, oh, you bad person, you're smoking, you're smoking, you're a bad person, you're a bad person. And now we're trying to do something which I think is, is more progressive. We're trying to get people to understand they have the, the resources within them. They have the emotional resources. They have the intellectual resources to, to become a quitter, which is a very positive thing, and they should want to do that. They should aspire to do that. And, and, and the Quitter in You program recognizes them for doing that. So we're, we're very hopeful that the Quitter in You program uh, will find success. Well, it seems to be based on all the things we know about change and how people change. So it is a process, and you need a lot of different um, tools in your toolbox, and it should be about hope and not about shame. And that's exactly what it is about. We're trying to send positive messages rather than negative messages. In the early uh, 90s, I worked in the mental health center, and we were trying to do some consciousness raising around tobacco use because there were so many people smoking tobacco. And we had a a poster from the American Lung Association that showed a really um, cancerous lung, and we put it in the smoking room. And you know what, Matt, one of the smokers ever even could tell us it was there. Yeah, there's been a lot of discussion about how effective the scary ads are. Yeah. And, and um, it's actually kind of been studied. The Canadians uh, a while ago had, had very scary ads and, and big scary warnings on uh, cigarette packs. And smoking rates dropped for a while, maybe a year or two, and then they bounced right back again. Uh, people kind of get uh, sensitized, desensitized to it, and, and they just learn to kind of look away. Yeah, and we'll be right back after this oh. commercial. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Nine different energy systems make up the energy body. Energy is all around us and connects us. Energy exerts a major control over our biology and is a big reason why you should be tuning in to energy medicine and optimal health with your host, Dr. Ann Deatley. We'll explore energy balance techniques, tips, and patterns to keep your flow of energy optimal to maintain maximal health. By adopting these techniques, you will keep your energy body and physical body in harmony. Listen for Energy Medicine and Optimal Health, Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. 
host, Simran Singh, will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio, because shift happens. Helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back um, to One Hour at a Time. Our guests today are Dr. Norman Edelman, who is the Medical Director for the American Lung Association, and Dr. Michael Yeager, who is the Managing Director of WellPoint in Wisconsin. And, I, you know, everybody benefits when people stop smoking, and I think that's, that's really important for everyone to understand is that there's no losers in this except for maybe the tobacco industry, but that's okay. They, they can learn to do something else with it. Um, I think that... You know, when we're talking about the Quittering You program, it's important to clarify, is this through the Lung Association or do you have to be a member of WellPoint to benefit from this? Quittering You is, is a joint program uh, between WellPoint and the American Lung Association. Uh, certainly it's being offered to beneficiaries of WellPoint, but, it, but it's a general program to reach out to the public to, to get people everywhere to, to try and understand the importance of quitting and, and trying and trying again. And it, it's easy to access. Uh, you can call the American Lung Association helpline. 800 Lung USA. Uh, you can get online to the American Lung Association. Uh, you can get online directly to quitterandyou.org. Uh, we, the program is designed to get maximum exposure, uh, in, in these, uh, dozen or so markets so that, so that people, uh, who smoke understand the importance of smoking cessation, understand the importance of trying, trying again, the importance of comprehensive, coordinated approaches. Uh, so th- this is, uh, something that the two organizations are, are trying to get to improve the health of Americans. Right. This is, you know, this is the health of everyone in our communities. It, it is not, Specific to uh, WellPoint, this is—I uh, like to say—if you uh, uh, the rising tide raises all boats, and so we're looking at how do we, you know, improve the health of all the citizens in this country because it is such a huge problem. And I—I I used to tell this story. If you had, you know, it, there's about 43 million people still smoking. One out of five people in this country. Uh, 443 million people die from smoking-related illnesses. And can you imagine what the fur would be, the outrage, if we had, uh, let's say, something in our drinking wells that was causing this enormous amount of uh, mortality and morbidity in our country? There would be outrage. We wouldn't let it go on. And yet we continue to have, you know, have a legal product that people 
use, and it has devastating effects. And so I think this is, this is a, a, between the Lung Association and WellPoint, we really uh, want to make sure that we give people the best chance to support those smokers in their efforts to, to quit smoking for good. I don't think smoking is a good vehicle for any type of medication or, um, I mean, I, of course, we treat drug addiction, so I'm not a big pot supporter, but even if it was legal, you're still smoking something in an unfiltered cigarette. I don't, I don't understand why, um, the, I just don't understand the mentality around if we know that smoking is bad for you in cigarettes, why do we think that some other thing that you smoke is going to be any better for you? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's a good point, and it's not. Um, so if you un- inhale the smoke from a marijuana cigarette, not only are you inhaling the, the active drug, you're inhaling all those same irritants that irritate the airways that cause chronic bronchitis. Uh, even electronic cigarettes, the vehicle causes irritation of the airways. So you're quite correct. The only thing you want to inhale is pure air. That's true. So, um, Dr. Yeager, if I if I look at this, it looks like the target markets for that WellPoint is going to be um, putting a lot of initiative into our Atlanta, Georgia, Columbus, Ohio, Denver, Colorado, Indianapolis, Indiana, Las Vegas, Nevada. You got your work cut out for you there. Mm-hmm. Louisville, Kentucky, Manchester, New Hampshire, yay. Milwaukee, Wisconsin, New Haven, Connecticut, New York City, Portland, Maine, Richmond, Virginia, Sacramento, California, St. Louis, Missouri. That's a very diverse group of places. It's very diverse. Those are where we have, uh, uh, those are states uh, with large cities in them for uh, our WellPoint uh, platform our, where we have uh, plans and uh so that's where we're going to really target each of those markets. And just in terms of target marketing, just want to remind everybody, too, this Quitter in You campaign is reaching the Spanish-speaking communities, you know, with a Spanish-language uh, website. And uh, that's elganadorente.org. Uh, I probably butchered that pronunciation, but it's E-L-G-A-N-A-D-O-R-E-N-T-I.org. So that'll be the Quitter in You uh, website for Spanish speaking, and they can get access to Spanish speaking resources from Freedom from Smoking from the American Lung Association also. I think it's important also for our listeners to understand what a good job New York State has done in terms of leading the tobacco cessation, at least in the addiction world. I know that a few years ago all of their treatment programs became non-smoking, and certainly New York City is... uh, you know, trying to get everybody to do everything healthy, but um, I think we can learn a lot from what's happened in New York State. Yeah, that's a good point, right? So, so we've shown in this large state and with, with lots of facilities uh, that it can be done, and it, it's not deleterious to the well-being of clients and patients, and uh, it's an enormous uh, success, an enormous achievement in terms of approving uh, their lives over the long term. It's important, you know, when people are seriously ill and they have addictions, we tend to focus on, on the immediate problem, the short-term problem. We tend to forget about uh, the long-term impact of what we do. But but I think, you know, we, we can't do that. We have to 
be aware, keep in mind that we need to help these people live good, productive, long lives uh, for the rest of their lives, as well as dealing with short-term problems. So quickly before we go, can we have the website again for the Quitter and You? It's uh, quitterandyou.org. Thank you. Thank you both so much for spending this hour with us. It's been great. Keep up the good work. Thank you for having us. Thank you. And we'll look forward to seeing you in Manchester, New Hampshire with your ad campaign. Fabulous. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks again. appreciate you joining us today for one hour at a time. Successful recovery from a substance abuse problem or mental illness depends on education and support of loved ones. Thank you for being that support system. Be sure to tune in next week for another hour of education and compassion. One hour at a time. We'll see you next week.